In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I have had the luxury of meeting with several listeners this week who have bought me a cup of coffee, and it has just been such a joy. I just want to give a shout out to both Danny and Julia. It's so fun to connect with listeners and learn more about your adventures or hear what some of your questions are. And I am putting a link in the show notes. If you're interested in meeting with me or want to have a conversation, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash Sherpa. And that is a really great way for us to connect. I'll send you a link to meet up. Meeting and connecting with listeners has just really been one of my favorite things. Building a community of adventure families who support each other in reaching new heights, trying new experiences, getting uncomfortable. It's just been what this has all been about and walking beside parents as they design this life or explore epic opportunities or create simple adventures in your own backyard. It's really been a highlight for me as the host of this podcast to connect with others, to learn and share ways that you can create a simple and authentic adventure experiences for your family to help you connect. The topic for today's episode actually came as a request from a listener who went to my website and put in a suggestion on the contact form. So just so you know, that's always an option. Every episode has a link to my website. Go ahead. If you have a specific request, you want to hear about a specific thing or a topic that you need a little bit of help with feel free to go to my website. Yeah, reach out to me. Actually, you can reach out to me on any platform. I don't recall and I apologize. I don't have the person's name in front of me who requested this, but I do want to give a shout out that, you know, if you do request something, I definitely do follow up and try to find guests who are good content experts, but also have some experience in that space. Today is about a Camino experience. And in Spanish, the word Camino is a path, a road, a journey, or a way. The Camino de Santiago is also known as the Way of St. James and was an important Christian pilgrimage in the Middle Ages. Pilgrims often walk the route in order to reduce the punishment of their sins. And I did a little bit of research because I have not been, I've heard of, and wanted to understand how I might prepare for this episode. So I am sharing a link as well, just about why people walk the Camino, some interesting things about the Camino, because I found it really fascinating. So if after this episode, you are also fascinated, fascinated, you might want to check on that link. It's in the show notes. Our guest today, Carrie Arnold, received her Medicare card in the mail last week, but that hasn't slowed her willingness to explore the unknown. She has been married to her husband, Bob, for 45 years and has three adult children. She has a master's in theology and worked in the Catholic parish for lots of years until she ended up spending five years in the local county jail, which curtailed her travels. It was the death of her youngest son at the age of 23 that was the impetus for setting out on the spiritual adventure known to many as the Camino. Carrie loves to read, 
hike, eat new foods, and travel, and we are blessed to have her joining us. Carrie, thank you so much. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thanks, Heidi. It's really uh, an honor to be here. Let's begin with this remarkable accomplishment of being married to Bob for 45 years. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I deserve it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right? He's a great guy and uh, very supportive in all the weird things I decided to want to do in life. So, yeah. Yeah. Were the likes of reading, hiking, eating new foods, was that mutually agreed upon or were those like your forms of self-care? Uh, they were somewhat mutually agreed upon, but he'd much rather be on a bicycle. And I think probably his biggest regret in life is that I don't share his passion for biking, but he shares mine for hiking to a certain extent. So we're good. That's nice. Awesome. Yeah. It's always nice when you have adventurous partners. Yes. So I know, and in your bio, uh, there's a cute little story there that you had to abandon travel for some time being stuck in jail. Do you want to share with my listeners the adventure that led you there? I sure do. I was stuck in the Brown County Jail and met just some awesome people. I say that my time in there was spent as a puke bucket. I was hired as the chaplain at the jail, but there weren't any social workers at the time Mm -hmm. and very few mental health care professionals. And so I just wandered around and talked to people and let them puke their stories at me. And then I would kind of help them dig through the bucket and find out what was worth keeping and what should just be tossed down the drain and what was worth building on to embark on a new way of life. So I didn't get to travel much during that time, but boy, I learned some stories that I actually took with me on the Camino, just some some people I held close in heart. Yeah, awesome. What was it that led you there? So why? how did you get into the chaplain work? You want the, the down and dirty? I was working in a Catholic parish. And I could no longer be what I felt like was living my life with integrity while working within an institution that I felt was more and more drifting away from its heart. And so I had this wonderful master's degree in theology, and uh, that'll get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's (laughs) if you pay the 25 cents. So I had to stay within the parameters of what that degree would get me. And lo and behold, there was a posting for this chaplain at the county jail. And I always tell people that it was much more freeing working in jail than it was the last few years Mm -hmm. I was working for the Catholic Church. That's how I ended up there. And I loved what I did. Yeah, that's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. And I know there was quite a journey between your time at the jail embarking on this Camino journey. Do you want to tell the backstory behind how did you decide to hike the Camino? How did that be? What landed you in Spain? I had never heard of the Camino. It was 2004. And our youngest son had struggled with rapid cycling bipolar depression for uh, about four years. He had had a number of suicide attempts and finally was successful in taking his life on January 31st of 2004. And when I encounter things that are really hard and I don't know how to deal with them, I am a master jumper to self-help books, and I want to read about what other people are doing who've been in similar circumstances. So I came upon this book called Fumblings that was written by another woman named Carrie, Carrie Egan, and her father had recently died, and she had a complicated relationship with him before his death and a lot of unresolved issues, and she decided to go on the Camino, to hike the Camino and try to work on that relationship and her grief read the book and knew right then and there that I needed to do the Camino someday. 
but someday seem to be getting to be farther and farther off. I have an elderly mom who struggling with dementia. I was, here's my bad self again, kind of waiting for her to die just because I didn't want to leave her behind and have her forget who I was while I was gone. But she's a very stubborn Norwegian woman and (laughs) is still here with us. So I decided that I was getting older and I needed to get going on this. So my husband, who was not invited officially, but just <laughs> he come along uh, and that worked out great. He, he can hear it now. He was not invited. My daughter and two good friends and I, and we decided that we were going to go in May of 2019. I can't even believe it was only two years ago, yeah. uh, right before right before COVID. Yep. Yeah. So for my listeners, the Camino is different. Most other like through hikes or long journey hike. Can you talk to a little bit about what, what makes the Camino special? I think what makes the Camino special is from a spiritual standpoint, it was a pilgrimage route that many penitents, if you want to call them that, people who had committed crimes, people who felt like they had this big old sin on their soul they needed to get rid of, they would hike the Camino 500 miles. They'd go from France. The Camino, the the part that we hiked is called the Camino Francais. That's 500 Mm -hmm. miles, but there were different ways to get there. So a lot of them had, you know, that much just to get to France and then to go on. But anyway, this was a hike that was kind of I don't want to use the word salvation exactly because that's got so much baggage with it. But it was it was a hike that helped people kind of clear their their hearts and their minds and their souls. Mm-hmm. And it's laid dormant for a long time, like probably I want to say around 1300 or so. Those kind of pilgrimages went out of style a bit. And it wasn't until mid-century, mid-1900s that the Camino came back. It ends at Santiago de Compostela, and that's a place where St. James, who was one of the original apostles, is said to have been buried. So the pilgrimage actually ends at his tomb. And it was it was something for me, it was a spiritual thing. It was a physical thing to prove to myself that I could do this. It was amazing to me to think back on it now and realize that we hiked over a half marathon every day for 32 days in a row, wow. rain, sleet, snow, hail. So it was it was a challenge. It was a clear my head, clear my heart kind of space. Yeah, I'm sure it has that magical quality too. I know you talked when we were talking earlier about like the, there's this thin space at the Camino, yeah. you know, that you're kind of between spaces. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm hearing you talk a little bit about that. Does Was there anything on the trail that really helped you clear your head or clear your heart? You don't have to go into detail, but I, I imagine that's one of the reasons I see a lot of people going on the Camino is one of the four drivers is really to kind of separate yourself. There's the pilgrimage aspect, but then there's also just kind of the finding yourself again. Yes. Being alone. Like I said, I went with four other people, but we hiked at our own pace. And so we were often by ourselves. It was interesting on the Camino because you'd run into people and we'd maybe walk together for a mile or two and then we'd lose that person and have some alone time or whatever. But it was a, before I left, I made a list of all the people I wanted to invite along with me. And most of them had passed on before. Some I had never met, like my great grandmothers and and people who I only knew about from stories. And I thought, I want to invite these people along and maybe they will, they'll be there. And they were. It was amazing to me to realize how, like you said, what a thin place, how thin that veil is between here and there and wherever they are. 
yes, it was mystical. It was magical. Mm, yeah, yeah. I know I in looking at it, it sounds like there's also and I've never been it's it's kind of on the list of things I'm curious about. I know that there's like you mentioned, there's a lot of different routes. And there's a lot of that seems almost complicated. And so I'm curious too, like, how did you begin to prepare for this? What kind of things were you thinking about in your own preparation? Or what kind of things were you preparing, building your own support systems for? If you knew me a little better, you'd know I'm very impulsive and planning is not in my toolbox. So I had this nebulous idea of what the Camino was until about, I would say, the fall before we left. And then we actually started looking at it. What does this mean? You know, what kind of sleeping bag do I need to buy? What kind of backpack? Got our boots and those things. And then we started hiking. I don't think I ever hiked well, I, maybe once or twice I hiked a full 15 miles with a pack on, but mostly we were just building up our stamina and, mm-hmm. and hiking, you know, cold weather, warm weather, whatever. We had a really good guide that I think we got from REI that talked about things that, that you want to bring. Good socks, that was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So by the time we had whittled down what we thought we needed, we had about 24 pounds of stuff on our backs. And your friends that came with you, were they hikers? Was this as adventurous for them as it was for you? Or was this be your spearheading something, but they were more your support system? I think it was a little of both. One of the people that was on the trip was actually a person I met. She was a professor of mine and actually was my thesis advisor at St. Norbert College. She's a theologian, and I made her read Fumblings and... (laughs) She was really into the experience as a spiritual pilgrimage. My daughter, I don't know what her motivation was. I think (laughs) think hers was more of a physical thing. Can I do this? My husband, I think, was shocked at the depth of the spiritual experience that he had, because I don't think that was what his intention was. I think he was just going to whack his miles and drink his beer. And I think he was very surprised at what it was. Yeah, I think that's also interesting, too, because it's not always clear what inspires people to join you on these adventures. I always find it fascinating, too, is given the facts that there are so many different hikes, and it could be so many different things. It's kind of interesting to see the various motivations, intentions behind why people do it. I know we also talked earlier, too, that and I've researched this, and I was kind of shocked, like you can cheat a lot on the Camino. And I was like, wait, this doesn't even seem fair. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that was one of our pet peeves. Well, first of all, I read this fun book. It was my impetus to go on the Camino, and I will be forever grateful to the author for showing me the way. But what we learned on the Camino was that there were many ways to cheat. Like you could hop in a cab, you could decide you wanted to spend, you know, two days in a five-star hotel. You could you could get yourself out of the what we felt was like the true mode. Mm-hmm. And when I went back, I read the book when I came home and I wanted to see it again. And I realized this woman was a cheat. Um, <laughs> she was hopping in cabs. She was skipping parts of it. I was just appalled. And then um, the other thing that we learned was when you start on, on the Camino, when you start in St. John Pietroport, they give you a passport and you get it stamped at every village along the way so that you can prove that you actually hiked the whole experience. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you get this wonderful, beautiful in Latin certificate that says you've completed the Camino. But what we learned was that 
you only need to do the last 100 kilometers to get the certificate. That's the last 60 miles. And the village that you need to start in in order to get the certificate without doing all the miles is called Saria. So we saw billboards that would say, Jesus didn't start in Saria. <laughs> I learned I was a snob and I learned I'm very judgmental because I was, I was put out with people who did not have the full experience. And that was my own issue that I needed to deal with. I, it didn't matter what people did or didn't do, but that was something that we had promised ourselves. We were going to walk the whole thing. We weren't going to cheat. It was really weird. At the end, the four of us went to Santiago and then my daughter wanted to walk. There's another portion that goes from Santiago to the ocean, to Finisterra. That's another 50 miles. And Four of us said, we've done it. We've got the certificates. This is far enough. And Jenny said, I want to walk the rest of it. So she went and we spent a couple of days in Santiago. And then we took a cab to Finisterra and we got carsick. Oh. It had been that long since we had ridden in a vehicle. It was just a really weird experience. Yeah. And I saw there's quite a few different things, like there's different trail markers. And it sounds mm -hmm. like the culture around the trail is pretty... Oh, how would you describe it? You were there. <laughs> it's like being back in time. There's, you know, have you heard a cowbell? Yeah. Okay. Well, me too. But I had never heard a cowbell on a cow. And the cows are out in the field and they all have bells on. And actually at times of the day, morning and night, when they're either bringing the cows out to the field or they're bringing them back in, they're walking right down this, these cobblestone street with this herd of cows. <laughs> People were, were planting and harvesting by hand. But it's like what I would imagine life was like 100 years ago. A lot of sparse living, but very, very friendly people. Every little village had a bar. We would go in. We ate a lot, a lot of eggs and french fries um, and drank a lot of beer, drank a lot of wine. Food was really cheap. We would start in the morning. We'd find the nearest little bar and have sometimes a croissant or something, but mostly fried eggs with the orangest yolks I've ever seen. Those eggs must have come out of the chicken like five <laughs> minutes before we, we ate them. But very like wholesome food, like food that you could eat and then you could walk 15 miles with. Very simple life. Yeah. But every village had a beautiful church or chapel or, you know, my heart was starting to break for these people because obviously they didn't have a lot, but what they had, they gave to build these beautiful buildings that, you know, I keep thinking, oh, so much better could have been done with that money. But that was where their hearts were yeah. to, to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. It just, it reminds me, I think that's a little bit of the community aspect of hiking though too in some ways I've I just had an interview with an, a family that had completed the Appalachian Trail and they talk a lot mm -hmm. about the community on the trail mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's really hard after you leave the trail to kind of yes you know walk away from like to come down from that did you have a similar experience after you left the Santiago the Camino uh, like how do you ever replicate it how do you come down how do you kind of yes how do you do that? What what was your experience like leaving the Camino? It was really hard to come back to real life. The, the very first day I met, this is my biggest regret. I met this woman from China. Her name was Jing. And I met her, I would see her. And then 
I'd pass her and then she'd be stopped and then she'd pass me. And the first day is probably the most difficult, not only because you're just getting used to it, but also because you that's the day you climb over the Pyrenees to get into, oh. you go from France to Spain. And um, at one point I saw her trying, it was started to rain. It was really nasty. And I saw her trying to put a poncho on um, and I stopped and I, I helped her get it on. And so then we chatted a little bit and then eventually we kind of were walking together and we decided we were going to have a sandwich. So we each pulled out the sandwich we had bought and we were eating as we were walking and got done with part of the sandwich, went to wrap it up and she realized she had lost one of her gloves and she was just heartbroken because this, this was her favorite pair of gloves. And I said, well, let's turn around and we'll see if we can find it. And she could not believe that I would actually turn around and walk extra to help her find her glove. And it, I said, well, you know, it can't be that far back because we haven't been eating for real long, <laughs> so probably maybe 10 or 15 minutes and we found the glove. And from that day, we we saw each other pretty much every day. We'd run into each other somewhere. And it was so awesome to have this person that you you didn't know and, and you'd see and, they, and their face would light up and like, how are you? And the last day that I saw her, I did not realize was going to be the last day. She had come with a group and they had decided they were done and they had made the pact that they were all going to be done together. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that. And I did not get her contact information. And I would love to be in touch with the Zing again. Bob has friends in Germany or from Germany. He's already trying to brush up on his high school German. And we were actually going to go and see them this past summer till COVID. But he still plans on hooking up with them. There was one woman we met from Australia that's a Shakespearean actress. And she does a summer Shakespeare theater in Winona, Minnesota. And we've gone twice now to see her in her performance and talk about Camino. So it, it's a community that that keeps on. I mean, there were so many people that I felt close to that I, I won't keep in contact with. But there are some that, that I know I'm going to see again. Yeah. Will you ever do the Camino again? I won't. No. I can tell you that with certainty. I will do something. I'm not ready. My Medicare card, I, I want to get you know some, some kind of use out of this sucker. But I don't feel like it could ever be again what it was. I need to let this experience unfold. And I don't want to try to replicate it. So I'm thinking I also learned it was pretty cool. I learned that I'm old enough to get a get out of jail free card kind of thing where I can go to all the national parks for free now that I'm old. So I'm thinking of maybe even the summer coming up, we have some trips that have been postponed because of COVID. And now if they'll go and if they don't, I want to, I want to map out a road trip with some of the Western national parks that we can do some hiking in there. Yeah. I can't change my perception of the Camino. I have to, I have to let that one rest. Some things should be laid to rest and, uh, <laughs> and let them be, I guess. Yeah. The case and the experience that you had was the case and experiences that you needed to have. And yep. stirring that up would could potentially cause that harm. So, yeah. Is there anything that you know now that you wish you knew going into it? Yes. In practical senses, we learned about two weeks into it that it is very easy to pay a porter. I want to say it was like three euros. It could have been five, but I don't think it was that much. Anyway, to take your pack to the next albergue, the next place you're staying. Like I said, a little over two weeks into it, we bought day packs. 
And then we let our big packs be transported. And that was really helpful, except for one day. We started out and it was really a beautiful day, nice and sunny and probably like mid-60s. And by midday, it had clouded up and the wind had come up and then it started sleeting and snowing. And I had my gloves, my hat, everything was in my my big pack. And I, I've never been so miserable. But that was a really good thing to know that we could have, we didn't have to do that part, lugging this stuff along. We were lucky. My daughter is a project manager by trade, and she took it upon herself. Every night she would figure out what basically was 15 miles or so ahead of us, and then she would make arrangements. It was nice because pretty much everyone had internet. She would make arrangements and make reservations for a stay for the next night. I know that very shortly before we went on the hike, that was not a possibility. So it was nice to know that we had a gathering spot. I was a little nervous about that, and I wish I would have known it ahead of time. That would have been something I would have stuck off my nervousness. We took a lot of stuff we didn't need, and basically we didn't have a lot of stuff, but we could have gotten by with probably less clothing. I wish I would have known about Compede. Yeah, what is Compede? Which is a cushion first aid for blisters. Oh, was, yeah. As much as we trained, it was not enough for the terrain. That's another thing I wish I would have known. I pictured like not paved roads, but I pictured kind of like a like a mountain bay bike trail or something. Sometimes it was gravel, which was easier to walk on than sometimes it was like rocks, but the rocks were they they were just a mumbo jumbo of of rocks, so you had to watch where you're going to put your feet. Sometimes was old Roman road, which was 2000 years old and really interesting. Sometimes it was mud. The terrain was treacherous in a lot of places. And I, the, the first night we were in San Juan Pitapur and we went to the pilgrims, whatever information place. And they showed us the whole map of the Camino. And actually the mountain pass that we were going through had opened up that day. So there was still a lot of snow. And they said, when you get to this sign, make sure you pay attention and turn to your right. And I forget what the sign said, but it was probably something like, look, you blackhead, don't keep going straight. But (laughs) the sign was obscured by snow, so we didn't see it. And we kept going straight. That ended up taking us through a really thick woods. You know, all the leaves had fallen from the fall before, so you couldn't see the ground at all. You didn't know what what the terrain was. And I don't know what I tripped on. But I went sailing, and when I came down, I had this like electrical shock pain in my knee, and I knew I had done something bad, and it turned out that I had just shredded my meniscus, and that was the very first day. So it was. Oh. I actually have a new knee now. I got that out of the deal, but um, <laughs> it was it was kind of a bit of a surreal experience after that because I was never pain free. I don't know what dimension that was, but. I'm glad I didn't know that that was going to happen before I went because uh, that would have taken a lot of the joy out of it. Yeah, that's unfortunate too to have to hike 500 miles, right? Yeah, yeah. With a torn meniscus, I can't imagine. Yeah, Yeah, it kind of sucked. New definition to like sacrifice and... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, okay, pain, suffering, okay, yeah. Well, this has been so fascinating, Carrie. Is there anything else you want to share about the Camino or about your experience or any listeners are listening and want to know more, anything you would offer to them? I think that 
I really would like to pay tribute to a priest. His name was Don Elias, and he was the pastor at a little church up on a mountain, Osibriero. The Camino still at that time was not really, it hadn't really gained any popularity. And he really thought that it was just this awesome experience that should not be lost. And so he took it upon himself to mark the entire trail. We never got, well, I got lost one day, but I wasn't paying attention. There were yellow arrows that were painted either on trees or on the side of the road, or there are these yellow arrows everywhere you just looked for that kept you on the Camino. And he's the one who went out and marked all of that. And now I think the local villages and, you know, other people are responsible for it. But but he was the guy that brought it back. He's one of my heroes that I don't think anybody knows about. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, what an honor to have someone do that for other people right. out of the goodness of his heart and to help you find your way yeah. on your own little journey. So, Carrie, thank you. Thank you for joining us and sharing your story. Is there any way that if someone wanted to connect with you or follow up with you, is there any way that people could do that? Absolutely. Yeah, you can either email it to me and I'll put it in the show notes or you can recite it now if you want, but it might just be easier to put in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, I would I would love to talk to people about it. Yes, for sure. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This has been fun. I really appreciate it. Again, I thanks for telling your story. And I know um, what started in heartache has also been quite a journey for you as well. So thank you again for being vulnerable and sharing all of the story behind it as well. Well, thank you. It's always fun to talk about the Camino. Carrie, thank you. Thank you so much. I know I have several listeners that are excited or that are embarking on a Camino experience. So I know this will be helpful, but just the backstory as well. So I have 10 key takeaways from this episode. Number one, sometimes we just need a puke bucket to puke all the thoughts and worries holding us back and then decide what's worth holding on to and what's worth flushing down the drain. Number two, someday can continue to be further and further away. As Carrie stated, I needed to stop postponing my dreams for someone else's deadlines. What is on your someday maybe list? And why is it there? Number three, the Camino is unlike many through hikes due to its spiritual origins. It's a 500 mile hike that ends at an apostle's tomb. It offered Carrie a clear your head, clear your heart kind of experience. Number four, as Carrie stated, she came across a billboard that said Jesus didn't start in Saria. Are you simply trying to check the box with these experiences or are you willing to aim for a 500 mile type experience? Number five, the culture of the trail is simplistic with small villages and wholesome food. Real life is hard to come back to after this type of experience. Number six, there are so many little connections made on the trail that Carrie exclaimed will offer lifelong community. Not everyone is going to be your friend forever, but there were several significant connections that were made and they continue to nourish. Number seven, don't assume things will remain as they are. Carrie packed her rain gear and gloves in her pack and sent along with the porter only to wish she had them later when the weather changed. Number eight, A few things that would have been helpful in advance was simply knowing that they had a meetup spot. Having that off of her worry list would have made the preparations much easier. But overall, she could have gotten by with less. Number nine, the terrain will vary. Despite how much they prepared and trained, they still experienced the physical effects of the trail. Number 10, thanks to the generosity of others, the Camino is well marked with yellow arrows. 
your generosity might be instrumental in others finding their way. Thank you so much, Carrie. And thanks to all of you. I've had a really fun time this last month connecting with you over coffee. If you would like to connect with me and share your story or ask me questions, a great way to do that is to buy a cup of coffee. And I have the link in the show notes. It's in all the show notes. And if you buy me a cup of coffee by the end of the year, I always agree to have a meetup with you. So if that is something of interest, if you want to share or connect or learn more about how to get engaged, go to the link in the show notes for Buy Me a Cup of Coffee. And I look forward to hearing more about your adventures, about your questions. Until next week, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.